Good afternoon, everyone. This is Steve Janikowski. I'm joined by Christian Thwaites, our Chief Strategist, and Rita Lee, our Director of Research. This call will last 20 minutes, and following the call, uh, replay will be available on our website. As usual, we'll begin with a very high-level overview on the economy, the markets, and then Christian, uh, as his, he is so apt to do, will take us on a very deep dive into some of the more significant details. And then we'll open it up for questions in the remaining time. So to, to begin, while we're, on, we're well into the longest economic recovery on record, clouds have been gathering on the horizon. Economic growth has continued to slow both here and abroad. And despite the, the strong employment numbers, inflation continues to remain very low, which has puzzled many. Uh, interest rates have been falling uh, as it appears the economy is weakening. And outside the U.S., rates in many countries are actually negative. The Fed recently cut the Fed funds rate for the first time since 2007, and it's highly unusual for the Fed to cut rates during an economic expansion. So there's a head-scratcher for many economists. There's much debate as to whether the Fed will cut again or stand pat. If you look at the futures markets, which we do, they imply that the Fed may cut rates by another 1% by early next year. Meanwhile, the economy seems to still seems to have some underlying strength and growth continues to trundle along. Company earnings have been decent and almost all global stock markets are having a pretty good year so far, despite what happened yesterday. S&P up about 15% and bonds have been solid earners too, up almost 7% year to date. Uh, true to form, when, nervous, when investors get nervous, they sell stocks and buy bonds. And while the stock markets were down about 3% yesterday, bonds were up about half a percent, and safe haven U.S. Treasury bonds, which everyone goes for the highest quality, were up almost a percent yesterday. Yesterday's market slide was yet another predictable, what we call a predictable result of the tweet, the tweet war that's been going on about further trade tariffs with China. And the question on everybody's mind, what is Trump's strategy? What will and will trade disagreements spiral into a larger trade war that tosses the global economies into recession? We're watching events very closely and have been taking precautions in your portfolios all year long. And even before this, going in back into last year, um, being proactive, we've been reducing equity risk and also maintaining and improving the high quality bond portfolio. I'm going to turn it out over to Christian Thwaites for a deeper dive and into our views on trade, the economy, and our investment outlook. Christian, take us on that dive. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Uh, yeah, I'd just like to echo what Steve said about the U.S. economy. So basically, we're a little slower in everything to do with housing, uh, starts, um, sales, anything to do with manufacturing, anything to do with production, and of course, anything to do with trade. And what we've seen slower growth in, but certainly not pointing downwards in any significant way, is uh, the consumer and the government sector. But um, And also what's doing pretty well is the employment side, um, but that's probably, probably peaked at the 3.6% unemployment rate we have. So we've kind of got things that we know are slower, anything to do with it. You know, is to do with housing or manufacturing, things that are just sort of going flat, the consumer and things which are kind of okay, but probably not going to get a lot better, which is on the employment side. But the biggest thing that's overhanging all of this, of course, is the trade side. And uh, just as a recap, the, you know, we have about a $550 billion trade account with, uh, with China. It's going down by about 10% uh, 
uh, every every month um, because of the trade wars. But 500 is 550 is the, the rough number. And as you know, that that's been a discussion on the uh, you know off again on again trade wars that the administration has been having with the Chinese authorities over the last year and a half. So, just to recap what happened last week, because we seem to have sort of moved very quickly in a few days. So the narrative of the last few weeks is that they've got the trade negotiations in the background. So the China trade ones are at the forefront. The EU ones we think are probably simmering in the background. The, the Mexican and Canadian ones seem to be have been dealt with for now. Um, the, the Fed last Wednesday it decreased the federal funds rate by 25 basis points. That was very well telegraphed. Unusually, having said they've been data dependent for the last two years, they, they suddenly flipped and said, well, there's nothing really wrong with unemployment. Inflation's a bit low but we don't like what's going on with, quote, global developments. So the next day, uh, Trump announced 10% tariffs on the remaining $300 billion of imports from China, again, out of a total of about 550, that had not been subject to any tariffs at all. And these are the ones which are more consumer-oriented. Those of you who've kind of been heard us talk in the office or read our, uh, our blogs, know that these are the consumer goods. I'm looking around the office today. Rita has a very nice Microsoft Windows product. I've got a, <laughs> I've got a beaten up old iPhone. Uh, Steve has a state-of-the-art Apple. No, it's three, three years old. <laughs> three years old and an iPhone. And of course, they're all made in China. And nine, <laughs> nine, 90% of them are of Apple's products are made in China. And so with these come over with an import tariff as high as 25%, then you're left with very few options. You ask to pass it on to the consumer or manufacturers in China take a big margin hit or uh, importers, uh, retailers, Apple take a big hit this side. There's really no way around it. Um, so that really disturbed the market on Thursday because I think everyone thought the negotiations were going so well. And as it you know, the background seems to be that Mnuchin and Leitzker came back and said, hey, things are going well, but not fast enough. And the tweet went out uh, despite their advice. Anyway, so that left with China uh, saying they would retaliate. And they really did two things. The, of course, the, the, the thing that they got the most publicity was they've let the renminbi float down. Now, I, it's important to remember here that, that, that China has been managing the exchange rate or manipulating, depending on what you think, but they've been intervening in the foreign exchange market for years, primarily because they don't want it to depreciate too much because there's a very big risk of capital flight in China, which Reid will talk about in a minute. So really what they've done is stop manipulating and let the currency float about a 1.5% correction to the over the magical number seven, although that really has no magic in it at all. And then... Um, so so that was seen as a retaliation. The other thing that they did, which got a little less press, was they said they would stop buying agricultural imports. So that's the kind of so soybeans and other agricultural products which you know come from the Midwest. So they in China they just they just they, they just instructed all the state-owned industries to cease those uh, purchases. Um, and then at the end of the day yesterday, the Treasury designated China as a quote currency manipulator, which they're able to do under a 1988 Act. Um, and, but I just mentioned that that's a little of, of, a, of a meaningless designation because all it means is that they now have to appeal to the IMF um, and they can't do anything unilaterally because I don't think they're going to intervene in the foreign exchange market. So it's really a designation with very little uh, claws behind it, teeth behind it. Christian, in your view, does China have more to lose in this trade war than we do? I think... 
Yes. <laughs> uh, there's obviously a very big manufacturing economy um, based on sophisticated sort of production levels and local content laws and so on. And if these start to go away or come you know, more and more pressure, that, that hurts. And we saw what they could do to Huawei. And what was that? CTE. Last year? Yeah. They practically took it to the level of bankruptcy. Yeah. yeah, maybe just for, for for people on the call, just if you simplified it in a sentence, what is what is Trump after, or what do we think he's after? We think he's after just a straight reduction in the bilateral trade deficit. So, so in his view, he looks that as about three hundred, four hundred fifty billion dollars. So the five hundred fifty that we buy from China offset by about the hundred fifty that we sell to China, mm-hmm. and wants that bilateral trade deficit down. Uh, by how much I don't know. But, what about uh, intellectual property? Well, that's all part of it. I yep. think you know. Yep. I th- yeah, I think part of the managing of the intellectual property rights, the uh, the conditions under which U.S. companies operate in the U.S. So yes, it's a lot of multifaceted things. But I think I think his end goal is to reduce that reduce that number, and of course that's a difficult thing to do. So we're playing. His either- end goal would be to get you reelected. Yeah, well, that, that <laughs> well, we're true. True. either playing chess or chicken. Yeah. Um, it looks like chicken right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, as uh, those of you been following, you know, we we don't have any special uh, inside information on this one for sure. But um, it 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 certainly looks as you know, one's playing hardball. Then you get into a whole world of geopolitics mm-hmm. of you know who's the like one likely to uh, capitulate first. So we saw stocks off yesterday by about six percent. They have since rallied by about two percent. Um, and as you expect in these times of concern, treasuries rally hard. I mean, they're a classic safe haven status, and all of our clients have pretty significant holdings in treasuries, and they went from 195% to 168%, or they've given up a little bit of that. But as Steve mentioned, that's that's a half a point, uh, depending on, uh, on, a, on a 10-year treasury. And also went up the classic sort of fear trade, which is the yen, the Swiss franc and, and the gold, but but not nearly as much as the stocks went down. Um, I think the next steps is the U.S. could intervene in the foreign exchange markets. It's unlikely. China could take more, um, uh, you know, more action on renminbi. But you know, I'm going to. One of the things that we we also are concerned about is that China has issues over and above the trade side. So maybe Rita, you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I think. Um it's usually uh, when we talk about this, we, we were looking in the internal front of um, China. Um, they have an excessive debt overhang. Um, they also have a number of the state-owned con- uh, enterprises that are not exactly uh, flourishing, um, and they also have to work uh, with the rising interest rate, um, as well as trying to stamp out uh, any capital flight potentially, given um, the interest rate. So, um, you know, with the with the uh, debt overhang, it's also also on various fronts. Um, corporate um, debt overhang, uh, because there are a lot of these state-owned um, local government financing vehicle funding some of these state-owned enterprises. Um, there's also the uh, consumer debt overhang. Um, there's a recent report that Generation Z, the younger folks in China, uh, are hooked on credit. Um, many of them are non-producing, but um, they are hooked on credit. Um, the other thing is that um, the collateralization of shares by individuals to borrow money, so that's 
putting shares up against uh, something like a margin. Um, that has grown tremendously over the last two years. Um, it has quadrupled over the last two years, in fact. So that's all these things are a little bit, uh, well, more than a little bit worrying. That's what we're paying attention to. Um, rising interest rate also, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's very, it, it has, well, it, it's, it causes a couple, couple of things. Uh, it makes um, their local debt more expensive to service. And um, also, if they are trying to stamp this uh, uh, basically by controlling the currency, then potentially a capital flight might arise. So in other words, China's got some problems. Yeah, well, we're Good. trying to lay that out. And you had, you'd also talked about Hong Kong earlier in the week. You, yeah. you're, you're concerned about that, I think. Yeah, so the sentiment is important. The global sentiment against China is important. We have uh, not, uh, we have not um, been uh, having positive news out from there anyway, but um, Hong Kong is sort of putting put out as a, uh, a free port, a free trade area, free, free zone. Um, to uh, prop up or to let them maintain a uh, somewhat uh, open position. But with the intervention lately in, in the Hong Kong um, region, um, that is under investigation. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think the question everybody in mind, Christian, which is recession, when, yeah. with your crystal ball, and outlook for, for where we are now. Stocks are not yeah. really... They're not expensive. Um, they're not cheap either. They're fairly priced. What's your thought on recession? I think, well, there's, there's a 100% chance of be a recession. Sometime. Um, at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that comes back, to, and I'm not being facetious here, but I mean, there will be a, at some point. But uh, I know we just pe reached the 121-month mark, which beats the 1990s one. But just, again, uh, what I think is so different about this time is that it's been a very weak recovery. We have never broken more than 2% GDP growth on a regular basis. Sure, we've had quarters of 3.5. We've also had quarters of 0.25. Um, but we've never really motored through the 2, 2 and a quarter range. It's been a very weak recovery. Weak recovery, weak recession. And I think, you know, we may not even get a designated recession. Yeah. Things are already slowing down. Uh, but, you know, jobs numbers and claims are not significantly moving upwards. So I don't think we have to get particularly concerned about this. And, and if we do get resolution to the trade um, issues, uh, that could be a spark to the economy and the markets. Big pop. I yeah. think if, uh, if we could wave your wand there and say, you know, we have a deal. It's a deal of the century, deal of a lifetime, you know, whatever, you know advertising they want to put around it would be very good. Um, but I we're just going to finish in the last 30 seconds before we open up to questions is that, you know, Steve mentioned we have a high position in treasuries. We like that, you know, whether the rates are going to 1.5 uh, or I think they're going to go more likely to go to 1.5 than they are to 3 anytime soon. So we're, we like that protection. We have been lowering our exposure to emerging markets because of the China issues, but also elsewhere emerging markets has some issues. Um, growth primarily and, and certainly trade. And then finally, when we're in the U.S., it's a high-quality stock. So that's the Berkshire Hathaway as the dividend aristocrats and uh, as, as strong balance sheets we can get. Yeah, and, and some of some of the uh, really the stalwarts, some really well well-financed companies, especially if they have our, our dividend earners, have not necessarily been the best performers in this year. But uh, some of the ones that are risk are, I think, some of the really high-flying tech stocks, which yeah. got 
pounded yesterday. Yeah. The other thing is that, Steve, is that, you know, since January 2018, when you had that sugar rush of the new tax cuts coming into uh, into play, we've had a total return of the S&P, drumroll please, of 3.5%. In other words, we just had a roller coaster where we got, you know, rallied hard, fell off in August, and we had the miserable last fourth quarter. It was up as high as 19%. But over the almost, you know, over 18 months, it's been a pretty modest return on the S&P. So we haven't seen any sort of big bullishness, craziness, and, you know, overconfidence. Yeah, good. So uh, we're going to turn it over to questions. Um, please uh, feel free to open. I think the lines are going to be open. And uh, see, I think we have a few open mics at this point. Uh, but if anyone has a question, be happy to to take it. If you're not asking a question, if you could put your phone on mute, that would be great. Okay. Well, if for some reason the technology is failing on us and, and uh, you're not able to get through, please send us an email, either Steve or Reader or myself. Uh, I'm at Seathwaits at BNJ Advisors, Steve at S. Janikowski. And Rita R.L. Lee. That's probably the easiest one, no, actually. R.L. Lee, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, at B&J Advisors, if you have any questions. Uh, and we'll be sending out the blog soon and look forward to catching up. Yeah. I then have to give the... Did you have your coffee? Disclosure. His disclosure. Please note that the information provided in this presentation is for general information purposes only. It should not be considered individualized recommendation or personalized investment advice. The investment strategy discussed in this presentation may not be suitable for everyone. Each investor needs to review an investment strategy for his or her own particular situation, making an investment decision. All expressions of opinion are subject to change without notice in reaction to shifting market or economic conditions. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, and the opinions presented cannot be viewed as an indicator of future performance.